You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. ...and threshing instruments and other instruments of the oxen for wood. All these things did Aruna as a king give unto the king. And Aruna said unto the king, The Lord thy God accept thee. And the king said unto Aruna, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for fifty shekels of silver. And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord was entreated for the land and the plague was stayed from Israel. We are in stewardship month. And last week, we started a four-week series uh, entitled, The Steps of Stewardship. And step one was growing, and just looking at how, uh, as a steward, we are to be growing. Uh, Today, we're going to be looking at the second step, and that step is going to be giving, giving. Now, when we look at that, uh, there there are more ways to give, there are many giving ways and ways to give, but I, I'm not going to talk about really the tithe this morning, uh, though we might mention it. Uh, but the what we find here in this passage is an attitude that I want to sort of grab a hold of in our giving, and our giving the heart, the condition of our heart, will impact our giving. And so uh, here in this, uh, this week, we are going to be uh, speaking on the subject, the steps of uh, stewardship, part two, giving. And let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd bless now. And Lord, uh, just speak to hearts and help all of us just to uh, set aside any preconceived ideas and just open up our, our mind, our heart to the, the Word of God and Lord, to the truths that we're going to look at this morning. And I pray that you would help all of us just to grow in our area of stewardship. And Lord, that stewardship will also include our giving. So I pray that you'd help us, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. When we look at this passage of Scripture, what we find is Israel is in a bad place. Uh, David is the king of Israel, and they had turned away from the Lord to such an extent that the Lord was unhappy with them. Well, in this process, as you read through the chapter, you'll find that David went to his general, uh, Joab, who was one of his generals, and he said, Joab, I want you to go, and I want you to number the people of Israel. Well, numbering the people, the children of Israel, was taboo for the king. God had already, already told them that I am enough. Don't put your trust in the strength of your army. Put your trust in me. So he had been commanded not to number the people. Well, Joab came back to the king and tried to encourage him and say, he said, you know what? You know the Lord's enough. And if we number the people, we're going to be disobeying God. The captains of, uh, of, uh, of uh, the, the army, they came back as well and said that we, shouldn't be, we should not be numbering the people. And David disregarded all the good counsel that he had been given. Look at verse uh, 3 of 2 Samuel 24. 
And Joab said unto the king, Now the Lord thy God add unto the people how many soever they be, an hundredfold, and that the eyes of my lord the king may see it. But why doth my lord the king delight in this thing? Notwithstanding, the king's word prevailed against Joab and against the captains of the host. Notice the plurality. So now, not only do you have the general telling uh, the king, listen, uh, we want to be careful on this. We don't really want to do this. Uh, the captains now are coming as well uh, of the host. And, and Joab and the captains of the host went out from the presence of the king to number the, children, or the people of Israel. So the king's word, of course, was going to prevail. And Joab and the captains, uh, they, were, they were counseling, they were encouraging the king not to break the, the uh, commandment of the Lord. And, and here David, the king, ignored that counsel. Have you ever been given good counsel and ignored it? I have. I wish I could say that I've never disregarded good counsel, but I have. And I've disregarded good counsel from my parents. I've disregarded good counsel from other people uh, that have tried to help me. And, and there, there are times where you disregard uh, good counsel. And David here is in that spot uh, right now. Uh, and, you know, all of us need to get good counsel. But not only do we need to get good counsel, we need to follow good counsel. All of this, this event, was avoidable. 70,000 people are going to die because of this decision. Can you imagine? I mean, we have people that are sitting here this morning that have just lost loved ones in recent days. Can you imagine if 70,000 families lost someone? I mean, we're and it was 70,000 men. And in the Bible days, it was the man that was responsible for the provision and the protection of his family. And so you think about all of the impact that was here. It was, it was huge. And someone, someone has said this, By the time a man asks you for advice, he has generally made up his mind what he wants to do, and is looking for confirmation rather than counseling. And that often is the case. Uh, sometimes people will come in and say, well, Pastor, uh, you know, this is what I'm wanting to do. And uh, it's more, more times than not, it isn't, Pastor, what, what, uh, can you give me counsel on this area? Or uh, do you, can you help me with this? It's usually, this is what I'm going to do. And then later they'll come back and say, yeah, I got pa counsel from Pastor, but it didn't work. <laughs> uh, that wasn't counsel. Telling me what you've done or are going to do isn't counsel. And, uh, and we all have done that. And, uh, but anyway, uh, this situation that David is in, he had, he had rejected uh, that counsel. And this counsel uh, that had been given him was to protect him. Now, I want you to look with me. Uh, look at, uh, uh, at verse number 18 of the same chapter there. And Gad came that day to David and said unto him, Go up, rear an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. So David had sinned. He had disregarded the counsel. Now he is under the judgment of God. And 
there's a pestilence that's coming through. As the, as the death angel is going through, and there is, and you can, you can cross-reference this with uh, uh, 1 Chronicles 22 as well, uh, but what you'll find is that as this death angel is going through and people are dying, David is coming to God and saying, God, they have not sinned, I have sinned. And God sends the prophet, and God tells him, all right, what you need to do is you need to go and you need to set up an altar. And you need to offer sacrifices. You need the mercy of God. And so David goes and he, he comes before Aruna. And, and uh, in chapter 24 there, we'll say that Aruna, uh, as a king, uh, he offered him as a king. Uh, the uh, threshing floor. Aruna was not a king. Uh, in First Chronicles, you'll see that Aruna and Onan were the same people. Uh, and so here uh, you've got uh, this, this individual, uh, and he was not a king, but as a king he was offering, as a person of great wealth and power uh, and generosity, he was offering to King David uh, the opportunity to be able to just give him uh, the place where the altar needed to go, as well as the sacrifices for that. And so uh, we see that uh, this, this uh, situation is going, I'm just going to lay some groundwork here. I want you to see, first of all, our responsibility to give. Our responsibility to give. Look at verse number 18. And it, and it came that day to David and said unto him, Go up, rear an altar unto the Lord and the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. And David, according to the saying of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded. Now, in this situation, David's necessity was that he was trying to get mercy from God. He was, he was coming before, the God, before God because he had knowingly disregarded what God had told him to do. And, and with that, now he is going to offer a sacrifice. Now, uh, he is not, uh, he is in Gibeah, and, and here the, the altar was in Jerusalem, and, or the altar was in Gibeah at this point, and he is in, uh, in another uh, place, and uh, he's in Jerusalem. And so what we find is is that this offering, uh, this, uh, uh, this altar that was going to be set up was not a place where the, the normal altar was at. And so uh, here we find God telling him to set up this new, this new altar and, uh, and this, this uh, uh, gift, uh, this offering that he was going to give uh, was based on his condition of, of needing God's forgiveness, his needing God's mercy. Now, when we look in the Bible, we see all kinds of offerings and we find all kinds of motives for our offerings. The greatest motivation for our offerings to the Lord should be out of a heart of love and gratitude. You know, God is so good. God is so good. And, and this, this, uh, uh, that should be the, the reason why we want to give. Now, David, he is following the direction of God. So Gad the prophet 
God told Gad, tell David, set up an altar and offer sacrifices. So David, in this instance, he's just following the instruction uh, of what God had given him. So God was the one that was telling him that he needed to set up an altar. He was the one that was telling him that he needed to have uh, this, this sacrifice. Now, we know that Christ is our sacrifice. And the New Testament, praise the Lord, uh, we are not offering blood sacrifices anymore. Uh, we are not offering sacrifices today uh, to try to earn or merit mercy uh, as, a, as a child of God. 1 Corinthians 5, 7, uh, the Bible says, Purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you are leaven, uh, unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Uh, he is the one that was sacrificed for us. Ephesians 5, 2, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and given himself for us uh, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. So David here is Old Testament. He is offering a sacrifice in an effort to get forgiveness for the sins that he had committed. Now we just have to come to Christ. Uh, we come to him who is our sacrifice. He has done away with the old altars and the old sacrifices, and we don't have to do that anymore. But there's some, some things that we can learn in this whole process, and that's what I want you to see uh, this morning. But David was in direct disobedience with the God of heaven, and this sin put him at odds with God. Isaiah said, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. You know, that same situation, that's Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, uh, but that same situation where, where David sinned and now he's at odds with God and he is offering a sacrifice, you and I, when we are, at, uh, when we are in distri uh, direct disobedience to God, we still need to come to God and ask for forgiveness. Uh, we still need to come to him uh, and ask him to give us uh, forgiveness for our sins. Now, it doesn't mean that uh, we lose our salvation. Uh, if you're a child of God, you are born into the family of God, you belong to him, nothing is going to change that. But that close relationship, sin will separate. Sin will separate. Sin not only will separate, sin will kill anything it touches. The Bible says the wages of sin is what? Death. You bring sin into your marriage, it's going to destroy your marriage. You bring sin into your business, it'll bring death to your business. You bring sin into your life and your relationship, it'll destroy anything. And so as a child of God, we've got we've to look at things from a perspective that God has. And so David here, he was guilty and a sacrifice was needed uh, to, uh, to stay the judging hand of God. And David uh, being in direct disobedience. And so this offering was God's idea. This, this offering was for David to set up an altar and for him to offer sacrifices. Now we see that David, he offers burnt offerings. Now the burnt offerings were sin offerings. Those were the offerings to pay for sin. Uh, on the altar, uh, they would burn the sacrifice, and it was showing the judgment of God. 
Now, in this, we're going to find that uh, on the altar, God's fire would fall from heaven, and it would, it would consume a sacrifice. And in doing so, uh, it would, would show that God would accept. And we see that in the Old Testament, how it would show that God was accepting uh, that sacrifice. Uh, so uh, David here, he offers the burnt offerings, but then he offers peace offerings. Peace offerings. And these peace offerings, he was just desiring mercy. You know, you look at David's sin, and you're looking at, in his life, how, how he, had so, he had some major failures. I mean, you think about how he took Bathsheba and committed adultery. He covered the sin up by having her husband Uriah killed. What, what a, a tragic situation. Here we find him directly disobeying God. It wasn't that it was a sin of, uh, of presumption that he just didn't know. It wasn't a sin of ignorance. Uh, this was a sin that not only did he know he wasn't supposed to do, he was confronted multiple times about it. And he still chose to do wrong. And so, so David, he had some major failures. And in, in the consequence of this, God gave him, excuse me, three, three options of what judgment was going to come. It was going to be years of, seven years of famine. It was going to be three years of fleeing from before his enemies. Or it was going to be uh, it was going to be the uh, uh, be, being under pestilence. Uh, and, and here we find that he chose to submit himself to just the mercy of God and not to, not to man. And, and now we find that 70,000 men are going to die. So we see uh, Jeremiah 17, 9, the Bible says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You know, we think, well, I would never do this or I would never do that. No, our heart is desperately wicked. It's desperately wicked. And the, the wickedness, and when we, when we allow our flesh to be fulfilled, we find ourselves at odds with God. That's why it's so important for us to try to keep short accounts with the Lord. Not allow our flesh to, and uh, not to give any place to the devil. So we see the responsibility of our giving, uh, and this was put on him by God. We see the object of our giving, <clears throat> 2 Samuel, <clears throat> excuse me, 24, 25. And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord was entreated for the land and the plague was stayed from Israel. So here, these offerings, they were to the Lord. They were to the Lord. You know what? We've got to make sure that in our mind we are recognizing that our offerings are to Him. It's always been that way, and it's always supposed to be that way. Our offerings are not to man. Our offerings are not to a building. Our offerings are not to a movement. Our offerings are to 
the Lord. And that's what uh, David here. And so this, the Lord is who this offering was going to, the creator God, the savior of the world, the alpha, the, the omega, the beginning and the end, the redeemer, the savior, uh, the one who, who is a friend to sinners. He's the one that is worthy of our offerings. And David here uh, was giving his offering, and it was to the Lord. So the object of our giving is, is definitely to the Lord. But I want you to see thirdly here the cost of our giving. The cost of our giving. Now, I skipped through point one or two really quick. Uh, don't get your hopes up on point three. All right? And, and so uh, the cost of our giving. Look at verse number 22. 2 Samuel 24, 22, And Aruna said unto David, Let my lord the king take up and offer what seemeth good unto him. Behold, here be oxen for burnt sacrifice, and threshing instruments, and other instruments of oxen for wood. All these things did Aruna as a king give unto the king. And Aruna said unto the king, The Lord thy God accept thee. And the king said unto Aruna, Nay. But I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and oxen for 50 shekels of silver. David recognized who he was giving to. It was the Lord. Have you ever received a gift that you really didn't want. And then you're thinking, okay, well, what am I going to do with it? You think, okay, well, I'll take it back and get the money, but I'll hurt somebody's feelings. Or I'll go trade it in on something else. Or sometimes you just hang on to it for a while, and then later you re-gift it. Has anybody ever re-gifted a gift? All right. And you, you re-gift the gift, and, and the thought of the gift was great, but it really didn't do anything. It wasn't personal to you. It wasn't something you really wanted, and so you re-gifted it. You don't tell the person that you re-gift it to. If so-and-so gave me this, but I just didn't want it, so I gave it to you. What happens if you, if you give somebody something and they, they like it? It's a blessing. But if you tell them, somebody else gave it to me and I just didn't really like it, so I'm going to give it to you. All of a sudden, the estimation and the value of that gift just dropped. David here was confronted by a person. He knew that he needed a place he, for an altar. He knew that he needed animals for a sacrifice. He knew he needed wood to burn on that sacrifice. And this other guy, Aruna, says, here, listen, I'll just give it to you, and then you can give that to God. And David was like, how can I offer this to God when I didn't give it to him? The attitude of this giving was that it had to come from me. I'm not talking about amounts. 
I'm not talking about the tenth. I'm not talking about offer. I'm talking about the heart of David was, I can't offer something to God that didn't come from me. He said, I'll buy this at a price. He said, I can't offer God something that doth cost me nothing. And the very heart of David was that he, he knew that uh, God was good to him. He knew that God loved him. He knew that God was the one that was going to be able to show mercy and be able to show forgiveness and to be able to take care of the situation he was in. But he knew that if he was going to bring an offering to God, he was going to give it to God himself. It was going to be from him. You know, I think about over the years as different people, and we have a lot of different demographics within our church. We have people that, that have got great jobs or retired and good incomes, and we've got others that are without jobs. We have some that are on Social Security, we have some that are on uh, welfare, we have, we have people that are in different stages, we have young people that are just going into the workforce and just starting out and others that are going to the, uh, to the end of their uh, career, a lot of different situations. And you know when, when offerings come and we teach on stewardship, people would say, well pastor, I, I don't get money. Or part of my income is my food stamps or card, whatever that is now. And they say, well, how can I give to the Lord when I don't have those resources? I haven't been given money on that. I tell them, well, you just take that and you go to the store and you buy groceries with your card. And you bring that in, a tithe of that. And you bring that in and give that to the Lord. You see, what was it? It was something that they could still give. And it was, from, it was from them. It was out of what they had. And no matter where we're at this morning, our offerings, these, these should be offerings that were given from what God has given to us. And here, this, this attitude was, I, won't, I will not give something to the Lord that did not cost me anything. Matthew Henry said this. He said, those those know not what religion is, whose chief care it is to make it cheap and easy to themselves. He said people that are trying to figure out ways to make it easy on themselves to offer an offering, he said they don't understand the faith. They don't understand what, what true relationship with God is about. And David here, the, the mentality was, I cannot offer something. Man, if, uh, Brother David, can I, can I see a credit card real quick? I know you've got a credit card. You don't have anything on? How about a cell phone? Great. Oh, there's a credit card here. Wonderful. All right. Let me get my card here so I can scan this. No. Uh, and, and so let's say that uh, I've got this credit card and, and, and uh, you know, it it you know belongs to to brother david uh and let's see here uh later let's see how can i do this here i'll just give it back to you all right so here i'm just gonna, i'm going to give this back and really that's what stewardship is is just giving back what god has already given to us 
But, but let's, let's say that there was, there was a debt that I owed him, something that I needed to give him, and it wasn't, it wasn't from me. God, our, our relationship with God has got to be personal. Our relationship with God is not transactional. It's personal. And here David's heart, as he was looking through this, uh, he was giving to the Lord, neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord, my God. It was personal of that which doth cost me nothing. Uh, and, and here uh, God uh, is looking at that and David was looking at God has recorded this for us to see. Why? Because it matters. Take your Bibles and go to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. Look at verse 41. Mark chapter 12, verse 41, we, we see the, the account of the widow and her might. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. Uh, I just, every time I, every time I see this, I think about this event on how it would be if the, all, the offering, if I got Brother Franklin to grab the offering and the ushers, and I walked along as they were passing the offering and looked to see what was going in. People would be very uncomfortable. Matter of fact, people would get upset. But let me tell you, the Lord's still watching. He's still watching. But here he was, he was watching. He was watching what was put in that was much, and he was watching what was put in that was little. So he was close enough to see. He knew what was getting thrown in. So here uh, he's watching, and he says, and, and many that were rich cast in much, and there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. You see, the importance of the giving was not the amount. The importance of the gift was her heart. And the Lord was watching. Uh, and, and as he is watching this, he says, he calls unto him his disciples. Can you imagine standing there by the offering box and saying, hey, hey guys, come over here real quick. I want you to see this. Wait, wait, wait a second. Get, everybody get over here. And he starts pointing out and having this teaching time. Uh, and that's what the Lord was doing. He was, he was making uh, an event that was a current event. He was using it uh, as a way to teach. And, and here this woman, she didn't cast in a large amount, but she gave what she could. And the Lord was looking at that, and it wasn't. God doesn't need our money. God doesn't need our money. If you and I, if every person in the church, if today we emptied out our retirement accounts and our bank accounts and uh, our, our wallets and our purses, and we gave everything, we would not make God one bit richer. 
The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We give to God because He knows that our heart is tied to our wealth. He said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He didn't say where your heart is, there will your treasure be, though that does invert. He said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, this morning, if, if I were to ask people about the condition of the stock market this morning and where we closed out on Friday, people that have nothing invested in the stock market don't care. Man, the stock market was up. Great. Man, the stock market was down. Great. Doesn't matter. It doesn't impact me. It doesn't affect me. Because if you're not tied to it, where your treasure is, your heart isn't affected. And the things of God and the Lord, when our treasure is there, our heart follows. You know who the people are that love this place more than anybody else? It's the people that have just invested here. Those that have given pennies and those that have given thousands. But those that have given. And David's attitude here was my offerings, the sacrifice of myself. I am giving. If I'm going to give something to God, it's going to cost me. It's going to be from me. There's a responsibility to give, but the heart behind the giving is what really makes the difference. It, it makes the difference in ourself, and it makes the difference in our relationship with the Lord. It's amazing how even in a bad time like what was going on here in Israel during this event, how God could take some very bad events and turn them out for good. Now, people go through troubles and... What's one of the verses that we're quick to use as people go through different struggles? Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Uh, we, we know that verse. We know God can take bad events and he can use those bad events and turn around for something good. Theologians say that somebody's ringing here. So, just put an extra 20 in the offering plate. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, but here, uh, there, is, there is, David has, has been in this place. Theologians say that the location that David was at is the same place that Abraham offered Isaac. Later, it will be the same place that David sets up the temple. You go into the next chapter and you go to 1 Chronicles and you find in this event, you'll find that in chapter 22 it tells 
of what has taken place, chapter 23, uh, it goes right into David as God was merciful. Now David, out of a heart of gratitude and thankfulness, he wants to build a new temple for God. And he starts amassing all of the wealth, the timbers, the supplies, everything that was needed. He starts hewing out stones and he starts stockpiling them. David's not going to get to build that temple because of David's blood, the blood that was on David's hands. But the son of the relationship between David and Bathsheba, Solomon, is going to be the one that builds that temple. You look at two terrible events in David's life, and God used both of them to bring glory to himself. I don't know about you, but that gives me hope. Even in my failures, God can bring something good out of it. But it only happens when you respond like what David responded. David recognized, David took responsibility for his sin. You know Saul? Saul was rejected from being king. Every time he was corrected, he blamed somebody else. And God took the kingdom from him. David, when he sinned, you read Psalm 51. He said, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. David took ownership for his failures. He took ownership for his sin, for his wrong. And in doing so, God was able to continue to use him. He'd get it right. And then God would bring him back in and use him for something, for his kingdom. You know, in this area of stewardship, we just have to realize one step of stewardship is that we are going to give to God. And we ought to be a person that gives to God not out of constraint, not out of, out of pressure, but just that if we're gonna, we give to the Lord, we're going to give to Him out of a heart of gratitude. So we look. Uh, we looked here uh, the first week at uh, growing uh, the steps of stewardship. This week at giving. Next week we're going to look at guilt. God doesn't want you to give out of guilt. But sometimes that's where people are at. It's more of out of guilt that they give. And then the last week we'll look at generosity. But here we're looking at some things in David's heart was I would not give Lord something that did that that cost me nothing. So giving does it cost us? That might that widow's might it cost her. An offering that does not cost us is not really kind of offering that God was expecting and that David was expecting to give. Father, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, as we are uh, looking in our own lives and we pray that you'd help us to just understand uh, this area of stewardship. It impacts so many different areas 
of our life. And Lord, the most important thing uh, that we need to be a steward of is our soul. And Lord, if there are any here today that do not know you as their personal Savior, I pray today, Lord, that you would work in hearts and help us, uh, Lord, to, uh, to, to uh, if we have not trusted you, that we would trust you today. And so work now, please. Give us wisdom and insight, please. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as the instruments play. If the Lord spoke to your heart this morning, you come. You come. Uh, child of God, you're saved. You're on your way to heaven. Uh, have you followed the Lord in believer's baptism? Uh, take that step. Maybe you're here this morning and you have not followed the Lord. You've been saved and baptized and you haven't joined the church. Feel like this is where God would have you join. You come. Whatever decision it is that you need to make, let's make it today. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc4me.org. May God bless you.